0: I said it before and I'll say it again
1: That scene, that last
2: scene What does it mean?
1: I'm the dude, you know Get the fuck out of
2: here No, I cannot That final scene Starts now Hello, hello, hello and welcome to that final scene My name is Sophie, I'm your co-host With my other two co-hosts Simon And Simon Yes, (laughs) hello, say that again (laughs) I I was waiting for you to say hello I was waiting for you to say hello we are back after a full month of disappearing, thanks to me. How are you guys? I miss Pretty you. Pretty good. Yeah. I
1: feel like I need to ask you loads of stuff about your lives and yeah. reconnect
0: with you. Honestly, Refreshed and ready to podcast.
2: <laughs> reconnect is such a nice word. It's yeah. quite yeah.
1: like from the tech yeah, it's industry. Really, it's very I buzzwordy. I remember when I first started should we, working. Should we re <laughs> I, I It wasn't a job interview. At the meeting I had to work at the company where I met Sophie. Yeah the guy who ran the company said in the meeting, can we take this offline? And I thought he was joking. And I was like, ha, ha, ha. and he <laughs> meant it completely r- real. Yeah.
2: It's such a bullshit business. Circle yes. back, circle back, and yeah. circle yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah. And I
1: was like, this is the company for
2: yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's some synergy going on. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Ooh. 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 Nice.
2: <laughs> yeah, I've been good. I feel very refreshed. You do look
1: very
0: glowy.
2: Yeah, I came back quite tanned. Mm. Um, I was in Greece. I don't know if I said that in the last yeah. episode. I was in Greece. She doesn't like to Vis- mention
0: visiting it. the set of Glass Onion.
2: Yeah, <laughs> Sophie that is follows follow Johnson around
0: the globe. Everybody. knows. Oh.
2: did we ever find out where it was shot in Greece? No. I never.
0: No, I didn't no. enjoy the film enough to bother researching. anyway. No. that is a
2: good point. I sure did to. not enjoy that. <laughs> but yeah, it was interesting. Like, but Greece is nice. <laughs> uh, Greece is nice. The yeah, the sea is lovely. It was quite warm.
0: Nice. Did you go I, in
2: the sea? Yeah, once. Oh, what? Once. It was very cold. You yeah. spent Michael basically with... three
0: weeks there and you went in the sea once.
2: Yes, it was very cold. I did <laughs> sunbathe for a very long time and I just listened to a bunch of podcasts and read a bunch of books. But other than that, it was just Michael who just went nuts <laughs> and like swimming every... But, but I feel like because... I'm Greek, so I'm used to like higher temperatures naturally. It's just weird.
0: He just thought it was a treat. Compared you, yeah, yeah. To, like, UK, I, th- I yeah. think he was like, Scotland. "Oh, this is
2: heatwave <laughs> weather." <Yeah. laughs>
0: and sandy beaches. They're used to like stony yeah. British beaches. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. But it's funny because I did try, and I succeeded, but uh, I guess I kind of cheated as well in sticking to my one movie a day. Uh, that was going to uh, be challenge. my question.
0: Did you continue to watch the movies a day? I, yeah,
2: I did. I, if you. Consider like comedy specials and like a bunch of documentaries being like films, Are even you
1: stretching though, the, I, the terms of I, this I, arrangement.
2: Ha- I had to during the holidays, so it was like I didn't always have the time to sit, you know, sit back for a two hour film. Mm. So I was, so, and I think that's what I was looking for as well. I need the break from movies in general and not just movies, but like screen time,
0: yeah, like, like short, I, lean. You know, yeah, it wasn't
2: you know. responding to people. Like, I just really went, like, under the radar with this holiday, which was great. But I think— like, Dark. Dark. Yeah. But I just watched a bunch of documentaries and specials. Like, I watched the Oprah Winfrey and Michelle Obama special, which was very inspiring.
0: You watched Icarus.
2: Icarus Which well. you
0: gave four stars, I oh, have yeah. to say. I think Icarus is probably my favorite documentary It's brilliant. Ever it's, because yeah. it goes from being an interesting documentary about doping and cycling to a real-life spy novel— like in the flip of a coin. Wait, is and this so about good.
1: Lance Armstrong?
0: No, so no. Mentioned- so it's so basically this journalist was like, I wonder how easy it is like to dope in cycling, basically. And like, can I try and do that? I think it was the premise of it, wasn't it? He was like, yeah. I'm gonna do the tour because you can do the Tour de France as like a regular person. I think it's like a couple of weeks before. And so he did it and he was like, right, I'm gonna do it. And then I've gotten in touch with this Russian doctor who says he'll help me dope to see if I can improve myself for next year. And it's the guy. Basically, the doctor he gets in touch with is the guy who was in who was in, in charge of the Russian doping program for years. And it go, and it delves deep into that, and then it turns into basically this whole spy thing of him trying to get this guy out of Russia. It stops being about mm. doping. It's about this guy could be killed and. It's The doping in, program yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, It's incredible. It's mm. so, it's on Netflix. I would highly recommend it. Oh, show. cool, okay.
2: Yeah, I love that it's the type of documentary that takes a turn when yeah. not even the filmmaker expects it to go there. Mm. It's, yeah. like, you, you've seen that a couple of times, but only a couple of times where they're even so surprised, but like, what the fuck is this yeah. Mrs. Mrs. Doubtfire is a great yeah. example of <laughs> that.
0: Well, my other example of a fantastic documentary like that where the filmmaker can't have known what was going to happen is After the Screaming Stops, which is the Brostock. Oh, yeah. Which- has so many curveball quotes in it. Yeah, you would not believe. But
1: that must have been like a dream. Like yeah. they just kept giving forth. Yeah. absolutely. So Sophie, solid gold. I, so
0: I so I messaged Sophie about this mm. after seeing it, after seeing you get mention, talking about Icarus, and I said and I said that you know I think Icarus is my favorite documentary apart from After the Screaming mm. Stops because a it's a fantastic title for a documentary like that is just I brilliant love it. yep. and it's a so it's about Bros who are this two brothers who were in, like, it was like a boy band duo because it wasn't from mm. the 90s. And then they disbanded. One of them went off to be a singer. Another went off to be an actor. And he is the guy who, you know, in Hellboy 2, mm-hmm. the prince who's the villain, Mm-hmm-hmm. hit him. So he was oh. he was the drummer in Bros, right? <sighs> nice. And it's basically just a documentary about them reforming and coming back together as two brothers. And it has so many bizarre quotes. Mm-hmm. Like at one point, the younger brother says, completely serious and like like deadpan to the camera that after he heard Superstition by Stevie Wonder that was the song that taught him not to be superstitious anymore and from that day forward he said I'm not going to be superstitious about anything because I heard that song and he's so serious he's not joking and you keep watching it thinking it's got to be surely like it gets to a point, and this is like a mockumentary, like Spinal Tap. It is not. It is a one hundred percent serious. <laughs> it's documentary. the same
1: feeling that I got when I first watched The Office. When I first yes. flick yeah. channel flicked, I landed on The Office, and was like,
0: what? Is, what the hell is this? Yeah. And that's what that film made me feel. And like. the difference is, this is, but this is a documentary. It's not yeah. a mockumentary. It is real life, and it is incredible.
2: I'm dying to see this. Yeah. I will, yeah. I will watch to, this. Add it to
0: your list for your movies to watch. It's fucking amazing. The
2: one quick plug that I wanted to give to not a film it's a mini series that i binge watched in a day basically yesterday i think i think it's a monday my holiday weekend yeah yep. um have you guys heard of jury duty no everyone talks about this series It's like document it's very the office uh in terms of how it's so like monumentaries mm. so almost and the premise is, it basically chronicles the, like the workings of an American jury trial. Is How, it like real
0: life or is it like?
2: Uh, no, real? it's a documentary style. However, the focus is on this guy, the juror named Ronald, okay. who thinks is part of an actual jury trial, but the entire trial is fake. So every oh, single wow, okay. one of the jurors and the judges and like the staff is an actor.
0: So it's like a social experiment type thing. Uh, what he it's,
2: believes that? Or
0: he, it's, no, no, he, it's he, does, he
2: doesn't know it's fake. He thinks he's he, he thinks he's an actual juror oh, in a trial. Okay, and everyone is an actor. All of it is improv, pretty much. <laughs> and you basically go through like you you take his lens in terms of, like they 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 put it together like so many challenges for him to go through like you know to defend it like it's just so many fascinating stuff and it's just hilarious like if you like watching like people's reactions and awkward like moments that's a documentary for you okay and the best part about it is that one of the jurors actually alternate jurors is James Marsden he's actually fuck off no <laughs> he's actually he's actually and the
0: guy he, doesn't know who James Marsden not, no, not at not at no, one no, point no, he doesn't no, look at him and no, think no no
2: no 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 he does He's like, "Oh, dude, I know you from somewhere." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm James Marsden. I'm from." Oh, like, so he's James Marsden yeah, yeah, being James yeah, yeah, Marsden but, on a jury. Oh, on! Because but
0: celebrities can't be on juries, isn't that the
2: whole thing? Of course, that they you can. Can't be on? But but that is part of the show. Like the first episode is like paparazzi are outside the door, oh, and James Marsden sake. is like, "That's my cue. I need to get <laughs> Sorry, out." Sorry, <laughs>
0: guys. Yeah, just coming from the set of fucking Sonic the Hedgehog too. Sorry. It is
2: hilarious. But Wait, is but, that
1: true? You can't have well-known people. You can, no, you can I don't
0: think you can.
2: You can, in the, uh, well, in theory, you can be called for, but then that you know that person can make the case of, oh, I'm a distraction, and
0: yeah, if you're whole- a person of, if you're a person of like high regard or like well known, public, can, like, yeah, like if you're a interest. public figure, you yeah. can apply to be given. It's one of those things that you can get an exemption, I think, from jury duty for. Yeah, and Have you guys, James ever
2: done Mar, that? No, no, never. But James Marston is so good at it. Like the first episode is basically him saying. Oh, I'm a distraction, and he hires paparazzi to fake like you know how much of a distraction he actually. He well, gets that revealed, but it's just fascinating, and it's like six or eight episodes. It's on Freevee, which is like the free Amazon uh, service. I'm sure you've seen it on Amazon Prime. It's called Freevee. Okay. It used to be IMDb TV, and now it's Freevee, which is basically free but with ads. But oh it just- right, yeah, yeah. It's just sensational. And everyone talks about it. Like, you guys, if you want a good laugh, like cool. office vibes, okay. you I'll need to watch out. this. Like, it's so good.
0: You lost me and then you got me back. No I'm going to be
2: is it? I think seven, eight. Okay. Like, and it's, and they're like half hour long. So oh, they're like perfect. They're perfect. Jesus. So perf- you can be, yeah, you can watch it in a day. Yeah. It's just hilarious. We basically
0: watched the first series of Gavin and Stacey yesterday uh, because it literally. Have you never is. seen it? No, I have. We're oh. just re watching it because yeah. it's like six. Twenty-five minute episodes—it's just perfect length television. Oh my god, yeah, so good. Yeah, it's like flea bag. You can just keep dipping. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Mm -hmm. or you can, or you can do it in an afternoon. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, Mm
2: -hmm. perfect. Anything exciting that you guys watched over the past couple of weeks? I've watched quite. I
0: feel like I've watched quite a lot. So I saw. So I John Wick Four. I saw. Oh, you
2: did. Okay. Yeah,
0: I saw John Wick Four, which I thought was good. Oops. Didn't think it was great. Good.
2: Yeah, I thought it was good.
1: Oops. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, well it's funny because I was always gone all
0: defensive. Well, it's it is good, but everybody was making out like it's the best one of the best movies ever. I still I think the first one's better. Because it's 2 hours and 45 minutes long. It is so long. It's really is that really long.
1: Nicholas Cage. No,
0: no uh, Keanu Reeves. Oh. Yeah. Um which actually I wanted to see the new Nicholas Cage movie Renfield, but I haven't had a chance to see it yet. Um and I watched and then after that, so I basically saw that on a Saturday and, or a Friday and then I went. I watched Bullet Train the next day because I was on an like action Train. movie, which I really enjoyed Bullet That's Train. Really I fun. thought Bullet Train was great. Like it, once you, after about 20 minutes when I accepted the fact that, okay, this American guy is going to do a Cockney accent for the whole film and it is. <laughs> like once you, get, once you get about 10 action movie tropes into it and realize, oh, hang on, this whole movie is just like action movie, kung fu movie kind of tropes it's you're like this is totally fine I'm I'm okay I'm like I'm invested and I'm involved in it now um and I yeah I thought it was great and it, yeah. yeah
2: I think it checks every blockbuster yeah like it's checklist. like it just every, exactly yeah
0: and then yeah I've been watching homeland really randomly started watching oh, binging I love that homeland but it does on, go on
1: once once it gets deep into some of the latest series it just leaves so we've yeah. just gotten way. to the end
0: of season three and we're like okay I think we'll take a break now it it's, off. yeah it's you know it's getting a little bit too stupid at certain points. And I, and yeah, as I texted you guys the other week, I also watched Fifth Element because (laughs) I was just, (laughs) Ellie was away for the weekend. She was, she was back in Dublin and I was just like chatting to a friend and I, he randomly mentioned the Fifth Element while I was chatting to him on the phone. I was like, that's what I'm going to watch tonight. I'm going to watch the Fifth Element. And it's fucking great. It's such a brilliant film. And yeah, Gary Oldman's hair, amazing. The wig work, as I always (laughs) go back to, is fantastic. And Chris Tucker is just, it's so funny. I feel like this is the bit, Simon, in the editing where I want you to layer in, I'll get it for you. But Chris Tucker, just his like American space radio DJ shtick is so funny. Like he's so brilliant in it. And yeah, I just love that film. And there's so many, again, it's one of those movies that has so many like random cameos in it. Like, you know, obviously Bruce Willis is the lead and it's Mila Jovich and Chris Tucker, Gary Oldman, just so many different people. Uh, is it Luke Perry's in it Luke Perry's in the opening titles his name that's is in wild. it and he's in the movie for five minutes he's at, he's at the start of the film for five minutes and then he's gone and she that's it
2: irrelevant at the time maybe they wanted yeah the, I yeah. think that was
0: it and I didn't re- and uh, and like it's a Luke Besson film and it's just so weird mm. and like the, the costumes in it are made by like um, some really f- I can't remember who it was and I remember thinking fuck that's a really just famous fashion designer it's not like some costume designer it was a genuinely famous fashion designer who did all the costumes for it because they're so weird and like neon and latex and just <laughs> mad. And yeah, the CGI just hasn't aged well, but I still love it. It's so good. It's so good. What about you, sorry?
1: I just remembered then, I watched Arrival that you've talked about a lot. Oh, wow. Arrival was I great, yeah. I didn't
0: really enjoy
1: it very much. Really? Yeah.
2: Okay. I thought It's um, was great.
1: It's, yeah. on Netflix, it's on Netflix, isn't it? I think yeah. it was, yeah. But I got the train to Leeds to see my sister mm. and I watched Willow. The Warwick oh, the, Davis, Warwick Davis,
0: like '80s George kind of Lucas yeah, fantasy yeah. film,
1: because it, it's just like a nostalgic reminder of school.
0: Are you going to watch the series oh. now? Is there a series? There's a Disney Plus series that they've just brought out with Warwick ah. Davis back in it. Maybe so that's why it. it was in
1: my my head. They've just. I was gonna say, how did that come it, yeah. to
2: mind?
1: Yeah, I, I, it was just one of those films at school where they, like, when it was like a rainy day, mm. for some reason that was weird, the film weird, we wheel wheel in
0: the TV on the tro- on the trolley. Yeah, with like the yeah. video
1: box in the mm-hmm. middle. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I didn't know that George Lucas had written it and that it was like his kind of version of Lord of the Rings in a way. But have you guys seen it? I've seen bits of it. I haven't. I've, I haven't. I've never sat you through I really enjoy it. It's uh-huh. nice. It's got Val Kilmer in it with his top oh, off for most of it. Lovely him. Val. And then I had a bad Nicolas Cage experience and then a good one.
0: Okay. Well. I watched Face Off. Iconic. <laughs> but, but so bad it's good though. Oh, I don't know. I just, oh, You're getting the I double whammy. It's him and Travolta. Yeah. Come on.
1: So 2 stars for that. Interesting. Then That's I watched your review. The in inor- the unbearable weight of enormous talent. The or- unbearable weight of massive talent. Yeah. yeah. With Pedro, Pedro Pascal. Pascal. Excellent. <laughs> really enjoyed it. Yeah. Like un- it's so surprising. Like I just it was like a midweek like random film and it was brilliant. I need to I yeah, I tried watching yeah. it on
0: a flight and then I just kind of stopped halfway through. I need to properly. I feel like I need to sit down and maybe devote some time to it yeah. and watch it. But so he's like Nicolas Cage playing Nick Cage or something, isn't yeah. that what it is? Like, yeah, it's basically but it's, him. it's a, it feels like it has the creativity of like a
1: kids film, but it's for adults. It's just really yeah. fun, mm. but it's not like cheesy.
2: The the first half of it works more than the second half for me. Like the second half becomes like kind of like American action movie tropey, but like the first half I love, like the meta element of it. As you say, like just yeah, I I I, I just love their chemistry. Right, and then I think the second half, where, without spoiling anything, they don't have as many scenes together in the second half, and I think it kind of okay. loses its arm because of that. But I love the first
1: half. Yeah, the, I agree. The ending's a little bit cheesy. but I mean, but it's a, it's Nick, like, like, it's a yeah. Nick Cage movie. It's it wouldn't just like, be. You've got to give it to them, not, yeah. yeah. It's a perfect film for like, just like, when you're having dinner on your knee, and you're just like, I need I something it. nice oh, to it. Watch it. Yeah. It's like or, it's, order,
0: order a takeaway. Yeah,
2: yeah it's definitely, yeah, good vibes. It
1: requires no mental effort
0: well this bank it. holiday weekend then maybe I'll maybe I'll watch that maybe I'll watch yeah. that on Sunday yeah and I've oh Succession Now I assume you've been yeah. watching I'm succession. not up to date really? I'm two weeks behind Comment. I think Ooh. okay
2: you need to cut so, so what has what? just
0: happened in the episode you've watched uh spoiler spoilers, what spoiler yeah massive what happens, spoiler, after? Yeah, spoiler. massive what happens spoiler? after the death episode
2: okay I, you know that
0: Okay, so you know no. he's dead. Okay. okay. yeah. Uh, after that episode is... There's two more episodes, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's the Living Plus. Oh, no, that's the latest that's one. That's the latest
0: one is the Living Plus episode. Uh, the, and then the one before that is... Have you seen When They Go to Norway yet?
2: Oh, yeah. No. You
0: that one? Okay, so that'll be your next okay. one, then, probably. I don't mind if you want to talk about it, it's fine. No, no, no. no, no, I, no we won't. Don't worry. I mean,
2: we were saying earlier that in a couple of weeks... No, end of May, end of May we have the finale. And we need to do a final scene breakdown. Because I think... I finally have a working theory for what's going to I happen. I have no idea where it's is going. Is it that
1: Greg somehow becomes
0: I the CEO? Ca- Dude, you would love the latest episode. In the next yeah. episode, they basically do like a voice deepfake thing. And all I could think about watching what? it was like, this is Simon would be loving this. <laughs> as this, as he's berating yeah. this editor to be like, I need you to make him say this, and he's like, I don't think I can do that. He's like, what? Just like. Just like fucking do it. Just fucking make him say it. <laughs> what, Greg's doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. It's so good. Oh man, I can't
2: yeah. wait. It's so, so good. Yeah, so cut up and we can talk about theories yeah. maybe in the next episode. So how many
0: are left? Four, Four left. Okay. So we've just had episode six. So there'll be, I think it's ten episodes in the season. I do wonder they're gonna do like an extra length final episode or what's it gonna be Ooh, like? Like an hour and a half. Oh, yeah. that'd
2: be sweet. <laughs> do Game you of do Thrones
0: where like the last four episodes are all two hours long or some shit. Oh <laughs> yeah. Everything's just like a courtroom drama.
2: I'm sure that yeah, duration of the episodes have be, has been revealed. So.
0: Okay. We yeah. Get ready. Yeah, we should check that out. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Okay. You need to get. You need to get up to date. So. We need to chat. Noted.
1: Cool. <laughs> Yo, speak on the phone. What's up? What's up? We just got a ping from the burner phone. There's a significant amount of explosive in the trash receptacle next to you.
0: Hello, Sophie, Ben, and Simon. This is Wyatt, longtime listener, first time commenter. Uh, I have a hot take. I think Whiplash, the Damien Chazelle movie, I don't know that's if you pronounce his last name. I don't think it's very good. I think it's terrible. If anything, it's a super weak film from him. I haven't seen Babylon, but La La Land is one of my favorites. It's so good, so crisp, so clean. The soundtrack's phenomenal. The acting I thought was good. The directing was good. I just think that Whiplash is a terrible movie. I think Miles Teller did a really good job. I think the performances are really good. I just overall found the story just really unmoving. There was a couple good lines here and there, but I feel like he just gets over nominated for that work where I feel like a lot of it should be directed to La La Land, but that's just me.
1: I always thought that Whiplash is a strange film because the message is weird. J.K. Simmons is a huge bully and it kind of almost celebrates bullying someone into being brilliant. And that's kind of like the message that lands at the end of the film, and I never thought that was very
0: yeah. good. Really, I, I, the film's gripping because it's so. I'm, incli- intense, I'm inclined but- to. I'm inclined to agree with some of the points you makes. Yeah, it, but I, I actually don't agree with the Miles Teller point. I don't think. Miles, I think J.K. Simmons is fantastic in it. I don't think Miles Teller is great in it. I think they're. I think there are probably 10 other actors that you could put in that part that would do the same, if not a better job.
2: Right. I, I, I don't think he's a good I actor. A ve- but I think
0: it's a very, like, generic, oh, I must, like, half the film is him just crying like that. <laughs> like, oh, God. Like,
2: yeah. Off. Jesus. I do think he's probably his best role, though, even though that's not a very high bar.
0: Nah, rooster. <laughs> but, Rooster's no. his best role. It's because he's just Ro- not in it that much and half the time okay. he's flying planes.
2: What did, what did you think about uh, the story? Because I I think the... I agree with yeah. Sai. I agree with Sai. Yeah. It's a
0: very kind of conflicting thing because he throws, and, and Miles Teller's character just throws his entire life away for this being bullied by this person and wanting his... he Doesn't he get like hit by a car? He's in a car accident and everything. He still mm. goes for it and does all these things purely for, you know, the praise of this... Well, esteemed teacher from Juilliard or whatever it is. Yeah, to
1: earn his respect, yeah. he has to go through all this hardship. Yeah.
0: And actually like what you what, And, and do you know what, maybe the hard thing about it is is maybe that is the reality of it, like reality of it. Maybe like what we what you want from that movie is for him to be like to take his own his life into his own hands and say fuck you, I'm going to do what I want. I'm I'm an amazing drummer anyway. But maybe the reality of it is is that that happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think you do like it's a weird thing to try and celebrate that. Yeah, you know? it definitely was celebrated. Like, yeah. it feels like there should be consequence rather than the movie ends with this amazing fucking performance mm. and like J.K. Simmons smiling and that kind of thing. There should there should almost be something else. But uh,
2: yeah, I think a director like. Kubrick would have added a layer of irony somewhere that I you mean, know. Kubrick would no. have had
0: him pull a gun at the end of so <laughs> <zone. laughs> shoot J. K. Like at the end of fucking, like at the end of Joker when he shoots De Niro.
2: Yeah, probably, probably. Yeah,
0: <laughs> like, give it to Todd Phillips. Yeah, uh.
2: yeah, yeah, probably. Um, I yeah, I'm. I don't know. I think the movie is brilliant technically. Like I love the, like what they do with sound, with editing. I think that's, it's brilliant. And for a director who was probably 26 at the time or something like that, he was, yeah, he was probably second film at the time or even first one because he did it in parallel with Laland. Just an incredible feat. But I agree with you. The message isn't something that I resonated with, even though like we say that and I feel like we're going to get a lot of pushback because this film has a lot of fanatics out there. And I feel like, because I've spoken about that on my page, and uh, And how like it celebrates and the toxicity that comes with someone being so um, obsessive. obsessive. Um, And I remember getting a lot of comments being like, oh, you don't get the film. Like, you know, like, like, I think that I think I got um, a bunch of comments from people that are very much into hustle culture as in. Work hard, as in if you don't, like, if you don't sweat to death, you're going to. Which is, I mean, yeah, a fair point, um, but I don't subscribe I, to that mindset.
0: I mean, I would disagree with that. I think I, I'd consider myself somebody who works quite hard. And like, Yeah, but, but you don't
2: work hard for the sake of working hard. No, exactly, yeah, yeah.
0: I'm boundaryed because I understand, I want to be, like, happy in my life.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's going to piss yeah.
0: people off that yeah. I've said that. But, you know, <laughs> it's true, you know. But. Yeah, I don't know, but I agree with that though. Like technically, and it like, it, like it looks nice. Like it's a, like mm-hmm. it, you know it's a, like it, it's very arty. Yeah, you know, and all of Chazelle's films are like you know, yeah, Lama La Land's the same. Like really colorful and and Babylon, and I haven't seen it, even though, and to be honest, I don't really want to see it. But it's a, it looked, it kind of looked fantastic. Like it looked kind of like almost like um, bit of a weird maybe a weird term, but like Baz and kind of esque. Like it's almost like it's like it's like jazzy Baz Luhrmann, Mm -hmm. Giselle's films and that like there's it's kind of the bombastic, colorful, big nature. But like it's like bringing a little bit more like sophistication or Baz Luhrmann with a different color palette, maybe. Um, For me, it shows you can still enjoy a film that you
1: don't agree with the message. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great point.
2: That said, I haven't revisited the film in. A I would rewatch it. I would rewatch it. Yeah, maybe, maybe we should we do that. we do that for
1: yeah, or, yeah, I remember feeling really drained at the end of my first view. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was really tired.
2: Yeah, it's a very sort of vibes. Yeah,
0: it's like anxiety-inducing. Yeah, mm. especially that end. It almost feels like you're kind of it, it, it. Like it feels like you're watching a heist almost. Like it's like ticking towards this explosive ending where something's gonna go horribly wrong, mm. and you're just kind of like almost gripping your seat, like. Shit, yeah. what's going to happen next?
2: Something tells me, though, that the people that love Whiplash hate La La Land.
0: Yes, I would. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, they're very different films.
2: Very different mindsets. And like uh, like in terms of me- like from a thematic and message standpoint, very, very yeah. different. Anyway, that's just my <laughs> assumption. But yeah. I, I could be convinced otherwise. Do you hate La
1: La Land? No, I love it. So you like them both?
2: Yeah, dif- yeah. La La Land and love throughout. Yeah. Um, whiplash i don't hate it i'm you put it on your poster on the wall yeah i i no no i admire it that's the thing like i just think it's brilliant technically but i don't agree with what it has to say if that Mm. makes sense yeah but as a film filmmaking outstanding achievement so moving on to another request last question from someone from our audience who responded to my airplane reviews. I was airplane a few weeks ago. Have you seen the, you've seen airplane? What, Simon, from like years right? from ago? From 19- yeah. Yeah. 19- Lesbian, yeah.
0: It, Lesbian, don't, don't call it, me Leslie Shirley. Shirley Hilton,
2: yeah. <laughs> so I- Sure you
0: can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley.
2: So I was it a few weeks ago and they responded by saying, right, you know, I love and respect all you guys. It would be really interesting in your takes on current con- council culture, especially as far as films like this are concerned. Like, are they of your time and we have to roll our eyes and go, oh, those days? Or do we have a responsibility to say this isn't okay? I was at Breakfast Club a while back and some of the stuff in that made me genuinely uncomfortable. Again, not looking to Sarai Road, just would be interesting in the gang's views. Difficult question. Good yes. question.
1: Yeah, really good question.
2: I I can go first because I had I had a very similar like I, I had, yeah, I had the same question while I was watching the film in particular. And I was telling Ben earlier that, of course, there are plenty of sexist and racist and ableist jokes in that film. But, and maybe that's a coincidence and for that film in particular, but I actually find them the least funny and not because they were offensive, but just because I don't think they were that good. I did mm. feel like the best jokes were the ones that were more creative and universally appealing, but that's just an airplane going back to the cast cons- Council culture question, I do think it's very important to acknowledge our history culturally, because to erase it means we don't recognize the progress. So I think it's still fair to watch something from back in the day and be like, that wasn't okay. But unless, like, if, if we erase our history, then how do we know we made any progress and we're better, you know, from 20 and 30 years ago? And how can we, from 30 years from now, recognize that we're doing even better? Right. So I don't think like censoring something or like any form of art is helpful. But I do think it's very important to acknowledge the mishaps and shortcomings of artists and like consume as you will. But maybe don't distribute that work, especially if it's at the I don't know, if it ends up hurting people that, you know, you know, there's not going to be any benefit for that. How yeah the main the
1: main thing is that you're watching it and talking about
0: it, and it's like yeah. that. Yeah. just the discourse
1: is the important thing. And
0: I don't so- think I don't think saying it's of time is an excuse, like it's not a uh... It's not a, it's not, you, you, you can't use that as, like, oh, well, it's of its time. It's not, that. that's not a thing. Well, I would like, say that you know,
1: have to judge all art in the context of the time it was created
0: you in. You like judge it in, in the in... context of its created in, but you, 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 you still have to then recognize that mm. that might not be okay. You can't, like, you can't wear rose tinted glasses and say, well, well, it's of its time and blah, 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 blah. You have to say, you know, you have to be able to look at it kind of objectively and say, mm. well, no, that's not an okay. I
2: thing. also think it's very important to, use those like use this art whether it's a film or whether it's a painting as an exercise for yourself for example like if you laughed at a joke that was overly sexist or was overly like homophobic then you can check in with yourself and be like why did that make me laugh can i just like almost like it's an exercise as in like in with your own bias and be like i can learn from this in a Mm. way or like why did this make me you know cringe Mm. like what what was the feeling behind the feeling So I think that's also important because ultimately, like, as people, we learn from contrast. Like, this is bad, therefore this is good. So we need to have both sides in order to move forward and even educate, like, younger people. We need to be able to show them what (laughs) went wrong (laughs) along the way. Yeah, it's part of
1: our history. It's it's, It's like viewing history through the prism of cinema is dead interesting. And it's like, it's a cultural history, isn't it? And it's like films that could almost be considered quite offensive now... Might become funny again in the future as we've moved on again and we're mm-hmm. in a diff- we have a different way of looking back at it you know it's, mm. you never know what's going to happen exactly. just just like some words go from being really really offensive in some periods to then uh, meaning having completely different meaning 25 years later. Mm-hmm. like lots of racist words, lots of homophobic words like have, have had completely different meanings through the last 10, 20, 30 years so you never know what's going to happen
2: no cool. We will take a short break, and we'll be back with the Grand Budapest Hotel.
1: Oh, look, a message from our sponsor.
2: G.I. Jane 2. Can't wait to see it. Nah,
1: yo, home my poodle. Huh? Hey, yo, what's up? Y'all got a
2: problem? Y'all okay. want some of this? Without much further ado. Here we go again. Right, and we are back for our final scene. The final scene of Wes Anderson's 2014 film, The Grand Budapest Hotel. So we kick off with a blow. I've got a real short one from IMDb. Go for it. Okay. A writer encounters the owner of an aging high-class hotel in the fictional country of Zubroka, the Grand Budapest Hotel, who tells him of his early years serving as a lobby boy in the hotel's glorious years under an exceptional concierge. So the central character is the hotel, o- the hotel's owner Zero Mustafa. Um, Tony Revolori plays him as a young adult, and then F. Murray Abraham when he's reaching his elder years. The decline of the hotel from Zero's youth to the present is linked with a deteriorating state of society. Um, I think with this film, in order to talk about it tending, we need to talk about its opening scene because yeah. it acts as a bookend in a way from mm-hmm. beginning to end. So as I said, Ben, like the Grand Budapest Hotel is basically a story within a story within a story. Yeah, It's like a cake.
0: Yes. <laughs> A glass onion if a, you win. A,
2: a, oh no. No, don't do that,
0: Simon. <laughs> don't you dare. Don't you dare compare these films.
2: So it has three framing devices, each one leading into the next. In the present, a young woman visits the grave of an acclaimed author. Do we ever get his name? I don't no, think. No, he's just I,
0: referred to as young author. author and old author in the in the plot. Yeah.
2: Uh, Observing his shrine of a grave marker, she reads one of his works, The Grand Budapest Hotel. Then to to visualize what the girl is reading, we see the author, played by Tom Wilkinson, writing the book in 1985. He speaks his words aloud from behind the desk, and as the author tells it in 1968, his younger self, Jude Law, visited the eponymous hotel and met the aged zero Zero tells the author the tale of how he acquired the hotel over dinner, and the deepest layer of the flashbacks take place in nineteen thirty-two when the hotel was at its prime.
0: So that's four layers
2: of it? Four-ish. So, so girl,
0: uh, old author, young author, and zero, young zero. It's basically yeah. inception. Yeah. Yeah. Well, was yeah, it- we're in the fourth layer. the uh, DiCaprio and Marianne Cotillard are hanging around somewhere in that hotel. Honestly. Sitting on a well, train.
2: What wasn't clear to me is whether the girl who reads the book is at the same timeline with the older author. No, because I think no. that's a,
0: that's isn't that that's a statue to the author.
2: Oh yeah, I think yeah. that's a
0: that's a, a statue okay. of the author. Like it's a it's a, a memorial to him.
2: Yes, it's and four. she's
0: she's holding the book. She's holding she's, yeah. she's she's waiting. She's holding the book by the statue.
2: Why so many layers? Well, I do.
0: I do genuinely wonder. Is it like, yeah? Is it just uh, knowing where, like, where's Anderson and all the different kind of tones and storylines that run through his films? Is it literally being like, I'm just gonna layer this movie like one of the cakes in the film? Because it could be, you know, <laughs> yeah. who wrote because it? You, I think it's. Yeah, I think he wrote it. Yeah, I think it's written, it his, entirely him, yeah. his idea. I think it's original yeah, that's, screenplay. That's Wes yeah. Anderson. It's pretty mad. Yeah, it's yeah. Pretty, yeah. And I think because the thing is, the girl at the statue is is almost completely pointless unless unless I've missed something and I'm very happy to be educated on it unless I've missed that's something that's good of there, you you know but like we don't know who she is we don't get any backstory to her it's just a girl looking at a statue then we go flashback then we go flashback then we go flashback again and then you're finally in the film and then that brings you forward
2: I I agree. I, I don't think the girl is significant. I think she probably represents either the audience, it could be us and how we, you know, experience the story from 1932. Mm. I think it could be the youth, like the next generation, because she's a young woman. So yeah, I don't think she is significant, but she definitely represents something out there from the perspective of the reader or the viewer. I it's interesting because I think the layers probably kind of represent not just depicting zero story but showing how they survived over the years. And have you guys seen the French uh, dispatch, uh, the no. latest? Okay, because it is about a newsroom and about like and. Yeah, a journalist who eventually died. I think that's the premise of the story. And then the story is about like vignettes from like the best stories that survived through the, the journalist. So I feel like this goes back to the same point where like Anderson is obsessed with the idea of surviving stories and passing down like a specific longevity. Yeah. yeah 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 and how it's important to preserve that and not yeah. let it like go to waste living
0: on through your art as well yeah
2: like, oh yeah
0: where's Anderson living on through his films.
2: I think that's his most autobiographical film, but like in a very meta way. Not that he's not that he was alive in 1932. No, it's not like a. It's
0: not well, yeah, yeah. No, I, I know what you mean. He's kind of he's 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 trying to portray how he wants his work to carry on. I guess mm-hmm. maybe
2: mm-hmm. because um, I really love that scene in the end, right before we see the girl again, where Jude Law has you know that. Conversation with uh, Mare by the elevator. Do you remember that scene? He like just, right he asks, before when they say goodbye. About, yeah,
0: he asks about his wife's. Isn't it his wife's death? Is that what he's talking about?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh the l- last words from the author is uh, like our. It really was an enchanting old ruin, but I never managed to mm. see it again which i found very moving
0: i quite like towards the end as well is that all his his saddest memories are all in black and white
2: mm-hmm. something
0: i noticed after the second time watching around is that the film is so colorful but his saddest memories of his wife's death or talking about his wife's death and talking about um mr mr Gustave's death are in black and white which is something i only picked up in the end I was like oh all well, the colors gone out of it i did because mm-hmm. it's such a colorful film and then it's all like now that I feel like I watch films <laughs> try and try to like digest them a bit more than I did when I first saw that film. But yeah. just sat on the remote and put yeah. them black and white. Oh god, yeah, it into black and white mode again.
2: Yeah, uh, I think does uh, Anderson do that with aspect ratios as well? Maybe like he likes square, different...
1: doesn't he? He mm. likes symmetry and yeah. squares. Yeah, doesn't the film start off as a square and then it opens up into a? That's yeah, he does
2: that. Yeah. yeah, which I is, yeah remind me of Mummy. You remember that scene? Oh, but that's because they're
0: going yeah. for the home movie. E- yeah. Retro vibe. Yeah. yeah.
2: But also the happy one in a way. Yeah. Yeah.
0: The happiest scene of that film was full screen, yeah.
2: I don't know. There just has so much to say. I feel we can, um, I would love to double click on these two scenes. Like the, the first one about the girl and why, like what was the meaning behind starting with that um, yeah. scene as well? Like, was it to perhaps give us some sort of um, a footing? Yeah, footing yeah. or like ground us in a way that we're about to enter a fairy tale story? Because I I did some research on like the film. I actually, listened to a couple of podcast episodes for that film because I, if I'm honest, like I kind of struggle with like understanding it you know on a deeper level especially same
1: like- I, I feel like i'm not even qualified to join in this chat really like it's
2: <laughs> oh, cool just talking to myself
1: i didn't experience so much depth in it i think it was probably a lot of it went over my head and yeah. uh, i just yeah it didn't draw me in to want to understand the layers
2: how like how, how do you find with others in general
1: I, well i mean rushmore is one of my favorite films like i mm. i love it i love the soundtrack i love the way it makes me feel when i rewatch it it's very very nostalgic i love the life aquatic mm-hmm. i find him quite hit and miss like i really didn't enjoy the royal tenenbaums my friends went mad for it mm. and i did not find it funny in the slightest
2: i i do think well again you're right like pfft. He's a difficult one because for me, yeah. for the most part, I find that he's very much like a style over substance kind of director. That's but exactly,
1: that's literally what I was going to say. That yeah. For this film, it's style over substance. For oh, me. for me, it's the other way around. Ah, for me, okay. that
2: is his most like value, like emotion packed. Like I found it so moving on so many levels. Probably the first Wes Anderson film that I've seen that the, sub- the style serves the actual storytelling. What? Yeah, and like... Think about it this way. So as Ben said, the 1932 storyline is so colorful and, you know, very zazzy. Like the aesthetics are incredible, like Instagram, you know, feed goals Mm. basically. And I think it's because the nostalgia speaks there. Because I think this is why the opening scene is very important. Because it tells us that we are not watching the literal representation of Europe in 1932 we are watching the version of a man who was once told by an old man as he remembered his own youth through mm-hmm. the lens of mm-hmm. an author and how the girl interpreted it, like interpreted the, you know, the words in the book, which is why it's so colorful and like, you know, soap in a way. And then, yeah, we move to the actual, potentially, like even the 1985 storyline, which gets more, not black and white, but more... Um, was the word. Monochrome? We don't get, get
0: mm. much
1: of Tom, it get, gets really desaturated. Yeah yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. That's that that reflects Zero's um mood at the time, who's still very depressed over Agatha you know, Agatha and his um, almost like well I think he had a child with her, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. He had a I think. He's still grieving. He's grieving over the, like his wife and his child and Gustav. So we get that more yeah uh saturated way of story te- like visual storytelling so for me this is the first time where I'm like oh actually you know Wes Anderson's you know colour palette like has an actual point it's a
0: function Yeah, Fun-
2: it has a function you're right that's a word yeah
0: it's not just I think I think he's I think because Grant Budapest is so big and so bright he's uh, everyone almost assumes that like that's like Wes Anderson big huge and brilliant and bright and everything but actually he do- he definitely does not know the films but this one it serves more of a purpose to kind of as you say, show his moods through the years and through the film and, and give you more of an insight into Zero's character and like when he was at his happiest, everything is bright and you know and he's still living in his tiny little room and, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And
1: I think mean, I need I need to now rewatch this film. Given yeah. the points that you've made and I'd probably get a lot more out of it.
2: <laughs> I well, I think so because I, for me it was important to anchor the entire film through the conversation of Jude Law and F. Murray, probably because this is what's uh, depicted in the actual book, which we never get to read, but that's what the girl reads. So I'm assuming by reflecting what um, older Zero said at the time, it kind of shows the present, the past. And you can tell through the script how excited and how like fond he was of the past, even though it didn't last for a very long time. I remember he said for, for Agatha, like, well, yeah we had some like we had a, some great few years for you know for a while it didn't last long i think she died two years later Yeah, she
0: died very young yeah they were only married for a short period of time yeah
2: so in his head everything like it's the rose colored glasses analogy mm. I, I think so anyway so for me that was um that was interesting but i mean i'm not a huge wes anderson fan from a storytelling yeah. point of well,
1: view is this your favorite wes anderson definitely. film definitely have yeah. you seen them all
2: uh, no, uh, um, I'm a really big fan of Fantastic Mr. Fox as well. I think that's oh, brilliant. Yeah. Also has something to say. And I think that's my issue with Anderson, like Darsing Limited, like f- an obnoxious film about three <laughs> obnoxious people.
1: quite like that one.
2: <laughs> I just think they're all horrible. Someone,
1: but but like, my, my, when I think of Wes Anderson, Wes, as I like to call him, because um, <laughs> we're mates, big W. Uh, I just thought when, when I was... Growing up, and like, or oh, as a teenager, and I was watching them, I just thought he was just quite mad. Like, he was just quite out there. Like, um, yeah, he is. Like, Life Aquatic is quite a ridiculous, like, nutty film, really. Mm-hmm. But, and I just quite like it for that. Well, he's
0: an outlier. That's for true. He's kind of like, auteur. Like, it, there's very much, there it is. He doesn't make, like, blockbuster movies. There is a st- He has his mm. style, and he sticks to it. He's kind of like Tim Quir- Burton. I mean, I
1: would have said it was quirky. Yeah. yeah back yeah. in the day, I would have said that. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's, like he's like, it really, really, d- doesn't really do it justice, and, but
0: you know you don't get many filmmakers like that and uh, mm-hmm. and you know unfortunately from like the way cinema studios work now you don't like because he's built his reputation like 10 15 years ago mm-hmm. you know it's it's it, you know he's 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 still there and he's still able to make his films like obviously what, what's the new one coming out in June moon city or
2: asteroid city. asteroid
0: city yeah like still like looks like his color palette and like looks just kind of looks weird mm-hmm. but it's harder to make those... It's harder to almost be in, like an auteur, cinema maker, a filmmaker of course.
2: now. I give him a lot of credit for being authentic and sticking mm. to his vision. The yeah, the main criticism that he tends to get, which I subscribe to and agree, is that a lot of his characters aren't emotionally... Like, you can't connect with them emotionally. It's very hard. They're quite one-dimensional, yeah. a lot of them. Like when I think and, of
1: Bill Murray in Rushmore, oh he's like God. he's like sort of so emotionally stunted. It's really like disconcerting yeah. but i yeah. i but i would i would really look for, if you were like oh we're watching Russian tonight i'd be really excited yeah i'd really look forward to it and, but i and,
0: would say the same for grand budapest i don't really think you can connect with any of the characters no. because it is such a heightened sense quite cold of yeah. quite
1: cold aren't they the characters
2: hmm. well yeah i mean i felt uh, i thought zero was exceptional like it's, yeah. the younger version was very sweet and i could feel and he's it very, very sweet and, yeah. yeah
0: but i mean you don't like it's kind of hard to feel like a connection to them you know what I mean, mm. yeah, I don't, I don't know. He's very why, much a character I, yeah. in a story.
2: I don't know why I connect to the refugee aspect of it, and then him yeah. finding love with Cersei Ronan I thought that was very sweet, but again, I, I can see how some people didn't connect with that definitely. Mm. And, and and that just glimpses of you know, yeah. the and then you know, finds and the idea of him like his entire purpose in the world being serving older ladies. <laughs> mm. <laughs>
1: Serving what? Older ladies. Older ladies. <laughs> oh,
2: like no, t- Tilda Swinton. T- and yeah. T- and to be honest, like all serving anyone you know staying at the hotel. But yeah, his moral and ethical compass surrounding that. Like, I-, I thought it was quite deep. While they're all ten royal ten Tenenbaums. Yeah, it's just all of them were just. Uh, I just didn't uh, get it. I I think I got it, but I thought it was very superficial in terms of you know the cartoon development. So I don't know. I. I love Grand Budapest Hotel. I love the opening and the ending. I thought the book ending was very sweet with a girl. Mm. And yeah, I think that because of that like ending, it kind of reflects Wes Anderson and it's the ultimate like Wes Anderson meta film. I don't think that he that the opening and ending could have worked if Wes Anderson wasn't Wes Anderson at the time. Yeah. I think he was confident enough as an author director however you want to call it to be able to make that meta reference and I thought it was very effective
0: yeah I mean it's interesting because it's it's kind of like you know the way people people say it's like oh it's a film for filmmakers kind of thing it's like a film for storytellers more so than a film for filmmakers you know it's like historians yeah preserving and just like word of mouth kind of storytelling even though it's a visual medium the whole film is about you know word of mouth and writing stories down and, and keeping these things alive and you know Zero's whole thing is he's, he's he's just keeping the hotel alive. That's kind of it. Yeah. Like you know what happens, you know what happens to the Grand Budapest after he's gone. Who does it get passed to? Who has the passion for it? Where does it go? And actually, is it just telling the stories about the hotel that kind of keep it going? And keep did you guys
1: physique? end up caring about the hotel though
0: by the end? Did you emotionally like want uh, it to survive? No, uh, I think it's a vessel. I never really, I didn't really care that much for the hotel. I think it looks fantastic, and it's a vessel for the film. But like, I, I, I don't. It, in the way that, like, other, in other films, like, inanimate things can be a character in themselves, I didn't feel it that much. Because you don't spend that much time in the hotel. Like, a big chunk of the film is him being in prison and, and kind of, and like, getting out of that. So, you know, it's in other places or him going to Tilda Swinton's mm-hmm. family and, you know, all that kind of stuff.
2: I didn't feel for the, anything for the hotel up until the, like, the very end where Zero said... That he still keeps it solely for Agatha. And because that mm. because the hotel preserves their good memories because they were happy for a while. So that was very cute. Like, it wasn't about Gustav. I think the like, hotel's
0: almost like memory in general, in that it deteriorates over time. And that's yeah. why the carpets mm. look a bit frayed and a bit exactly. weird. You now, that's profound, Ben. That's it's a
2: great point. What can I
0: say? I love <laughs> profundity. Is that it's the a great word? Point. Profundity. Yeah. Or uh, dramaturgically, I just like to say yeah. profound thing. Sorry, I had to throw that in. Yeah.
1: Dramaturgically.
0: Have you not seen the clip of the guy from Succession? Oh, my God. <laughs> he says, yeah, he, they interviewed him about something and he just goes, dramaturgically, I thought it made sense.
2: <laughs> my favorite so
0: far people is
1: people a pre-grieve. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, pre-grieve. That's
2: so but, good. Yeah, uh, That's a great point, Ben. And you know what? That, that reminds me. You know how in the be- beginning of the film when Dudlow and um, F. Mario have a conversation about like, you know how they met and every, like how they you know they're starting the interview, and Jude mm. uh, Law finds out that F Mari still sleeps at the he tiny little lobby tiny boy s- lobby room. Yeah. And when I when I when he said that, I was like, oh fuck off! Like I was like, uh, like one of these pretentious like owners mm. who sleep at the you know tiny room to make a point about capitalism. But then in the end, I realized that it was because. Probably this was the first time they had sex in that room. Well, like they had all these great memories. That was a happy think it's room. just yeah,
0: it's just it's his happiest memories of that life are in yeah. that room
2: with Agatha. Yeah. Well,
0: yeah, or just in his life in general. Like right. he was at his happiest when he's because isn't the whole thing that like he barely sleeps? Like in the they talk about like the work routines and like you finish work at eleven and you wake up at three for group breakfast or whatever it is. Like very little time spent in that. Put the room, grapefruit but,
1: segments up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: But yeah,
2: yeah exactly. Cool. I think we solved the ending again. I think so. And Simon, let us know if you end up rewatching it. Let yeah, I will it. we will do. We can revisit. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Anything want to add something? I was gonna say it's like
1: oh. um Tinker taylor Soldier Spy. I'm I'm on like my 15th rewatch. Like, <laughs> and every time someone like teaches me something new about it, I'm like, oh, I'm getting it a bit more oh,
2: now. Oh, so
1: he
0: was. Yeah. Oh.
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. So if the Grand Budapest Hotel is your favorite Wes Anderson film, then please make sure you share this podcast on your stories or the group chat. Give us a shout. Tag us. We'd love to share your post. Send us your hot takes. Give us recommendations for final scenes. Uh, come join the community. We're back to our original programming. So we'll see you in a couple of weeks with our one-year anniversary episode. See you soon. Bye.
0: Did you like it? Did you like that? Did I like it? I loved it.
2: I had no idea you could milk a cat.
0: I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk me? Good morning.
2: Morning, good morning.
0: Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening and good night.